Everybody say this after me. I am not a lazy Christian. Say it one more time. I am not a lazy Christian. Because lazy Christians just want, just somebody tell me what to do. I need to hand me that mic. This is, this is popping again up here. So. Ah, this one's not. Everybody. And that is that because you are such generous people and because of the Grace Initiative, starting tomorrow, we're having our new sound system installed in this place. So all this junk that we deal with, what's this, what's that noise, what's that? Most of that's going to go away. What's that? So, wow. Can you hear that back there? Okay, as long as you get, so you're working on it. As long as you're working on it, I'm good. I'm going to keep going. <clears throat> you, you confessed I'm not a lazy Christian, and I'm going to confess I'm not easily distracted. All right, so in the Old Testament, I want to do a little bit of a review about the Old Testament and some of the, uh, some of the uh, divine guidance that happened in the Old Testament. First of all, there are like four... Uh, four different uh, things that they used in the Old Testament for divine guidance. The first one, the earliest one, is in Genesis chapter 3, where it talks about Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day. Genesis chapter 3. We may have to shut the whole system off, and I may have to yell. There's got to be a microphone or something up here that the air is blowing into. I'm not easily distracted. I'm not easily distracted. I'm not easily distracted. I'm not easily distracted. Not that. All right. All right. So in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And, he, and Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So what we're discovering here is that Adam and Eve were used to walking with God and experiencing the presence of of God and they could talk with God and ask him themselves this was the very first divine guidance listed in the Bible was they fellowshiped and spent time in the presence of God how many of you know that in the New Testament because we have the Holy Spirit that has been restored in our lives and now that's been restored in our lives now we can spend time with God. We can walk with God. Those who, are who walk in the Spirit, the Bible says, are the sons and daughters of God. So then the second area of divine guidance in Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, it describes Moses pitching a tent out in the wilderness. It says Moses took his tent. This is after the tabernacle has been set up. Many people don't realize this, that Moses then took a tent his tent, and he took it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. 
And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses centered, entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but his servant Joshua the son of Nun a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. So you can see here that there was a place that Moses set because in the tabernacle in the in the uh, uh, tabernacle that hosted the ark of the covenant and the presence of God only the priests could go in there. Not everybody could go in there and seek the Lord. So Moses set his tent up outside the camp and they were able to then go outside the camp and seek the Lord and when Moses would go in there it says the presence of God would actually uh, show up outside the camp this was a place so this is an area of divine guiding now guidance now turn with me to Exodus chapter 28 could I have a handkerchief please and you can turn this air off up here if you want to that's what's blowing in that microphone. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 30, I just want to bring this up. The Bible doesn't, have, doesn't give us enough information to know exactly what this is, but it's a fascinating piece of information anyway. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 30, there was what was called the Urim and the Thummim. Urim and Thummim. And the Bible says that uh, apparently the Moses and the priests already knew what this is. The Bible doesn't, didn't, doesn't say that God told them, I want you to create a Urim and a Thummim, and I want you to make it out of this, and I want it to be this shape, I want it to look like this, and you're going to do this with it. He just told them to take the Urim and the Thummim, and when they made the breastplate for the priest, when they created the tabernacle, they created a pouch inside the breastplate, and he kept the Urim and the Thummim inside the breastplate. And anytime someone wanted to seek the Lord, the priest wanted an answer from the Lord, the Bible says they would consult the Urim and the Thummim. But it doesn't tell us what it was, and it doesn't tell us how it worked. It just tells us that they used this Urim and Thummim to seek the Lord. Um, so uh, I studied this quite a bit. Many Bible scholars have speculated that it could have been two small pieces of wood, two small pieces of stone, or two small pieces of jewel kept in that pocket. And they inquired uh, of the Lord with it. Nobody's certain how it works. Some people say that they were two different colors. Uh, one was bright, one was dark, one was black, one was white, um, and one, one, one scholar believed that it had numbers on it. One scholar even said one said yes and one said no. Um, and here's, here's what we do know about this. This, was, uh, this, this uh, method of determining the plan of God had to have some spiritual implication. It had to have the Holy Spirit speaking into it and speaking through it. It wasn't just a yes or no thing. It wasn't like throwing a dice and if you get, if you get the, the uh, head side, it's yes, and the tail side is no. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 28, it says that um, 
that um, Saul went to the priest to inquire of the Lord, and the priest used the Urim and the Thummim to try to get an answer for Saul, and the Lord would not answer him. So if it was simply a yes or no instrument, then surely he would have gotten one or the other. But he didn't get either one, and the Lord would not answer Saul after sin began to enter the camp of Israel, and sin began to enter Saul's life. Um, then the Lord did not answer him by the Urim and the Thummim. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. That was a, in, a, in a short period of Israel's history that they used that. Now, what comes next is that many of the priests start becoming corrupt. And they can't hear God. They don't worship God properly. They're not representing the people to God properly. And because of the corruption of the priests, then God begins to introduce prophets. And there's this period of time, first of all, they were, the priests were using the Urim and the Thummim. And then after that, there's this short period of time where the Urim and the Thummim is being used that God introduced prophets. And then shortly, uh, then there's a period of time in the Old Testament where the Urim and the Thummim is not used anymore because God's speaking to people through prophets. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 9. The Old Testament is full of prophets. There are many, many prophets in the Old Testament, and uh, a lot of guidance coming through prophets and God speaking through prophets. There are good prophets and bad prophets. There are godly prophets and corrupt prophets. But in the Old Testament, God mainly uses prophets to speak to the nation of Israel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9, Um, it gives us a glimpse. This is just one glimpse. There are a lot of passages about prophets. But here kind of gives us a glimpse of the prophetic ministry. Saul and his servant are set out when Saul's a, a young man, are set out by his father to look for some donkeys that have run away. And they can't find them. And Saul comes up with this idea, let's go consult the prophet. Maybe the prophet can tell us where these donkeys are. But the prophet knows that Saul is coming because God has spoken to him about Saul becoming the king of Israel. And so there are four things I just want to point out about prophets here. We could, we could spend a whole message just talking about Old Testament prophets. We could spend weeks talking about Old Testament prophets. But I just want to, in showing you the Old Testament, Old Testament divine guidance, I just want to point out a couple of things. First of all, in verse 7, there was a lot of respect for the prophets of the Old Testament. And in verse 7, it, uh, when uh, Saul and his servant are discussing whether or not to go see the prophet, uh, one of the things that comes up is we don't have a gift. to tell. We can't go see the prophet because we don't have a gift. They honored the prophets, and any time they went to inquire of the prophets, they always took a gift to them. This is actually how prophets sustained themselves. This was their livelihood. It wasn't that they charged people to give them a prophecy, but rather people honored prophets and knew this, this is what they do for a living is they, they hear the voice of God and, and give us the voice, the will, the plan of God. And so people would bring a gift to them. Second of all, um, in verse 13, uh, it's interesting that when Saul is inquiring, so where is the prophet? They said, well, he's going to be here today and we've set up a feast, but we're all waiting on the prophet. We're not going to eat till he gets here. So again, they're honoring the prophet. They won't even eat even though it's dinner time, but it doesn't matter how long we have to wait. We're not going to eat until the prophet gets here. Then thirdly, verse 15 says that the Lord spoke to the prophet directly in his ear. 
In the Old Testament, the prophets could actually hear God. This was not a guessing game for them. But the Lord spoke to them actually in their ear. Then verse 19 says that the prophet was able to tell Saul everything that was in his heart. So these are Old Testament prophets. Now, in the New Testament, there are prophets, there are New Testament prophets, but they don't have the same ministry, the same type of gift. We're going to look at that in a few minutes. Uh, if we have time, or we'll look at it next week if we don't. But, in the, but now, each believer has the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, only the prophets, the Spirit of God would speak to the prophets, but every believer didn't have the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus was crucified on the cross, and he died, and then was resurrected, the Bible said he went to heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit. Because his blood had paid for us to be cleansed and to be clean enough for the Holy Spirit then to reside on the inside of each one of us. And now we all have the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to go inquire of the prophet because we can't hear God or we can't determine the will and plan of God. So now in talking about New Testament guidance for a few minutes... Last week we talked about the Word. I'm not going to go over that again. Please go on our website or go on your mobile app on demand and watch the uh, message from last week and, uh, and learn about uh, what we talked about last week. And specifically, when it comes to New Testament guidance, we started with uh, the Word. Second of all, God works in your desires. And I think this is probably the weirdest thing. Um, Heather? I'm going to need for you to turn this air. I am absolutely, literally freezing up here. It's so cold up here. I apologize for stopping the service to say that, but I, I can't. My ears are so cold. It's my, it's my head has so much hair on it. My hair's blowing. And uh, so I, my hair keeps getting down to my eyes and I can't see. Uh, anyway, but my little head's cold. I may have to wear a toboggan second service if you... <laughs> Or wear a towel over my head like Cam Newton. That's what I'll do. I'll wear a Panthers. Yeah, okay. All right. So your desires. The second area I want to talk about, uh, if they turn the air conditioner off, is, uh, is your desires. God working in our desires. And I think this is probably the weirdest thing because most people don't think of God using our desires to lead us. In fact, we have this internal thing in us that says if it's something we want it's probably not God honestly how many of you actually know you're wired that way that if this is something I really desire it's probably not God God's going to make me want or do something that I really don't want to do how many of you feel really weird about yeah two people are honest everybody's going I'm not raising my hand but, uh, you know, if we're really honest, if this is something I really want or desire that I have, then God's probably not interested in it. But the Bible says that God works in our desires. Philippians chapter 2, thir verse 13. A very, very important scripture. Philippians 2, 13. Philippians 2, 13 says, God is working in you. This is the New Century version, the way it says it, but all the versions mean the same. God is working in you to help you to want to do and be able to do what pleases him. See, God's working in you to want to do what he wants, one translation says. 
So as we be, when we become Christians and as we walk with God and become more mature in God and as we get the Word <clears throat> working in our life, then our desires become God's desires. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. This is why Jesus could teach His disciples that whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Why would Jesus say that? I mean, some people, that freaks them out. Well, so you mean I can just... I can just pray whatever I say, and God's going to put a Mercedes in my driveway. Well, Romans 12, 2 that we looked at last week and at the beginning of this message says, don't be conformed, but be transformed, watch this, by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So I don't know. Listen, look at me, look at me, look at me. Do not judge what another person believes God for. Never do. You don't know what they put, what they've, you know, God just, showed, we've been believing God for this summer home in Florida. You're just struggling to come up with a down payment to buy your own house here. You know, they've already got this big house. And now they're believing God for a summer home in Florida. And you're thinking, man, I'm still renting. I don't know how long it's going to be. So when we do that, we start judging what other people are believing God for. Don't ever do that. You'll get in trouble. Because you don't know what they did, what they got, what they sowed to get what they have. And you don't know what the will of God is for somebody else. And I'm really fed up to hear with people who judge other people, judge other ministries, judge other Christians because of what they have. Pay attention to what you have. Pay attention to what you don't have. Pay attention to what God's speaking to you because when you stand before God one day, he's not going to say to you, what was that guy doing? He's going to say to you, what were you doing? Well, but that guy over there, I, yeah, listen, you're standing before the judgment seat and God don't care at that point what they're doing. He cares about what you're doing. So you need to pay attention to what you're doing. And so who knows what desires that God has placed in someone's heart. God placed a desire in our heart to put the, um, the front on this building. Hey, how about this construction? They're tearing this place all to pieces. And, you know, I'm sure that there are pastors of other churches that are looking at our church saying, you mean you're just, you're spending all that money just to put a front on the building and then put, a, put fellowship space? I mean, that's not godly. That's the fellowship space is not even in the Bible. It's not up to them to judge. It's not up to me to judge somebody else's church building and what they're building and what they've got in there. You know, I know a church in Charlotte's got a bowling alley in their church building. That's none of our business. They need to do what God's called. And now I'm stopped preaching and started meddling now. But it's just, um, you know, the Bible says whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And we've got to let God place desires. In our and never be ashamed of the desire God's placed in your heart. If you've got people that criticize you because of the desires that God's put in your heart, you need a new set of friends. You need a new set. Of, now, I'm, I'm talking about godly desires. I'm not talking about things against the word. Things that I'm not talking, you know, I, uh, I've only got two wives. I need another one. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about what the Bible promises us. 
what God says that we can have. Don't ever judge another person, and don't let anybody else judge you. Amen? So, <clears throat> Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind, and the Bible says you can determine what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Um, I've told this, trip, this uh, story several years ago uh, in this church, so if you heard it, just pretend like you didn't and cheer. Uh, but uh, I know when one of the, I was raised in church. My whole life, I've been in church my whole life, and, uh, but I didn't actually surrender my life to Christ until I was a junior in college. And, uh, but I, w I went to church. I did all the church stuff. Um, I was the president of our youth group, and I, I got a whole testimony that goes with that. But one of the things that freaked me out about making a decision to follow Christ was I just knew that if I surrendered my life to Christ, that God was going to send me to Africa as a career missionary. And I didn't want to go. Hey, I, look, Connie, I've been to Africa several times. We love Africa. But at the time, it wasn't anything against Africa. I just didn't want to. I didn't know if I, what, am I going to have, do you eat bugs there? And do you, you know, do you, where do you sleep? And you just, you know, it's not anything like you. Africa's a wonderful, wonderful. We love going to, to Africa, especially Swaziland, one of our favorite places in all the world that we've been to. We love going there. But at the, it, would just, it just freaked me out. And I just, I, because I, I knew if I surrender my life to Christ, I'm going to be a serious Christian and I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so anyway, once I became, once, when I finally, when I was a junior in college, and it's, it's a long testimony, but then I surrendered my life to Christ. And then as I matured in God, uh, I really didn't sense any leading to go to Africa. I really, it wasn't, it was, that was something that I was afraid of that never really material, material or didn't materialize until I'd been a Christian about 10 years. And God began to work in my heart. I want you to go to Africa. I want you to go on a, on a short-term mission trip to Africa. I went on a, uh, and God worked in me. Now watch this. I went from, please don't send me to Africa, to God started working in me and working in me and working in me and working in me. Then an opportunity came up, and I started checking into it, and I started praying about it, and I got more and more excited. So when the day came for us to get on the plane, I was so excited about going to Africa because Philippians 2.13 came to pass in my life that God worked in me to want to do what he wants. That's what God does. He works in you to want to do it. So if, you, if, you, if there's something you think God wants you to do and you just don't want to do it, that's one of the, that's one of the things that you've got to get in alignment. Maybe God does want you to do it, and it's not time yet. And if you do it anyway, you're going to get ahead of God. Amen. So second of all, God works in our desires. The third area that I want to start talking about, I'm not going to finish this today, but I want to start talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16. Turn, go with me to John chapter 16, verse 13. Are we learning anything today? John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. This is, start, this is talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
I want to say on the outset, I've got, I'm going to start teaching on this, and then next Sunday I'll continue teaching about uh, the Holy Spirit and receiving guidance from the Holy Spirit. But uh, when you receive guidance from the Holy Spirit, that is not locking yourself in a closet, closing your eyes, and floating around in some weird spiritual space until you hear a booming voice in the closet. Number one, and last week we talked about the word a lot, never pray without your Bible. Or I could say it this way, never pray without your Bible. Amen. Or you could say it like this, never pray without your Bible. Take your Bible in your prayer closet with you because the Holy Spirit wants to use your Bible to speak to you. And, uh, I mean, now he, can, he can speak to you. We're going to talk about, about the Holy Spirit speaking to you in, into your, in your spirit. He can speak to you without turning the pages of your Bible. But you always want to be sure that you have your Bible and representing that, um, uh, that anything that you, that you, any spiritual voice that you hear, any spiritual impression that you get, uh, that the Word of God has first place of you, in your life. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you anything that's contrary to this. But pastor, I just know, well, show me in the Bible. Well, I can't find in the Bible. Well, then, no, but I just, pastor, but I just know God spoke to me. But the Bible says you're not supposed to do that. But I just know. We've got to give the Bible first place in our lives. Now, Allow, when you pray and you have a decision to make, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and make room for that. Don't force, demand, or even seek a voice in the Spirit because you'll get one. So many Christians have gotten off because we force, we demand, we're seeking. God, speak to me. Oh, I think I hear, oh, I think, I think I'm hearing God. I think I hear, I, I, uh, no way, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's this one over here. Turn with me to John chapter 10. I want to show you something in John chapter 10 about the voice of God. I've taught on this before, but it, it really goes good here. And uh, I want to teach on this. John chapter 10, verse 1. When you have it, say I have it. All right, great. John chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, this is Jesus teaching about leading his sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and his sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and his sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Then look at verse 27 that we just opened this message with. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 4, the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Everybody say, they know. His voice. So there are three voices that can uh, interact with us when we're listening for God. One is the voice of God. How many of you know if you hear the voice of God, you're going to do it? Some of you are not going to do it. If you hear the voice of God, you're not doing it. It's not a trick question. How many of you, if you hear the voice of God, you're going to do it? 
That's a little better. How many of you, if you're in your prayer closet and you hear the voice of the devil, you're not going to do it? Well, that's some of you. I'm a little concerned about some of you. We're going to give an altar call in a few moments. Uh, if you hear the voice of the, so most, most people, if they hear the voice of God, they're going to do it. If they hear the voice of the devil, they're not going to do it. But Jesus here describes a third voice. It's the voice of the stranger. You know what the voice of the stranger is? It's the voice that you don't know what it is. That might be God. See, we're <coughs> the devil gets us in a position where we're afraid that we're going to miss God. I think I heard a voice when I was praying. I think God was speaking to me. It might have been God. I think God was speaking to me. And so we're afraid if we do it and it's not God, we're going to mess up. But if we don't do it and it is God, we're going to mess up. Anybody ever been in that position besides me? And so Jesus says that his sheep know his voice. And they run from the voice of the stranger. They flee from him. And so the voice of God, now I'm talking about alignment now. I'm not talking about going with a voice that you know is God and just going with that. There are five areas of alignment. This is one of them. Everybody understand that? I'm not saying go in your prayer closet, hear a voice that you know is from God and run with it. I'm saying this is one of the five areas of alignment and it is knowing the voice of God. And so when you're in your prayer closet, there are three possible voices. One, you hear, you know that the devil is telling you something, the devil's harassing you, the devil's trying to beat you up and you reject that voice. That was not too deep, was it? Then there's the voice you can't identify. I think that this might be God. This could be, this could be, no, I don't, I don't know. It might be God. Could be God. What do you think? You think this is God? I just heard, I heard a voice in my prayer closet. What do you think? The Bible said that's the voice of a stranger. It's the voice that you come out of your prayer closet and you go, that was God. That was God. And the reason many of you are sitting there going, well, I've never heard a voice like that. I've never heard the voice that I knew was God. It's because you've never waited on it. It's because we moved out too soon in voices that we thought could be God. They might be God. Maybe they're not God. And one day we think, oh, no, I heard from God. And the next day, no, nah, I don't know if that was God or not. And then the next day, I'm pretty sure that was God. The next day, no, I'm, I, now I'm not really sure. The Bible says you run from that voice. You run from it. Because how many of you know God knows your name, your address, your phone number, your email address? your Twitter address, your Instagram address, God, even the very heads, hairs on our head are numbered, which is not a big job on my head. God knows everything about it. He knows exactly how to get to you. So when you're in your prayer closet and you, are, and you have a decision to make, again, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and make room for that, but don't force it, don't demand it, don't even get your, I heard somebody say, I'm going in my prayer closet and I'm going to stay there and I'm going to pray until God speaks to me. That's a dangerous place to be because you're going to hear a voice. You're going to hear a voice for sure when you seek voices like that. What we're to do is give the word first in our place in our life, give room for the Holy Spirit to speak, and then we worship, we pray, and uh, we speak the word, and we allow God the freedom to speak to us when he's ready to do it. It's about alignment. It's not about a voice. It's about alignment. Everybody say, it's not about a voice. It's about alignment. Stand up with me. Say, it's not about a voice. 
It's about alignment. Thank you, Father. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you that your will, your plan, and your purpose is clear to me. I know exactly what to do in every situation because I am lining up your plan and purpose in my life. I'm lining up your word with my desires, with the Holy Spirit, with the counselors you've placed in my life, and with the peace of God. When all those line up, I know it's time to move. I know it's time to make a decision. And I thank you that you love me enough to make your will and your plan clear to me in Jesus' name. Who learned anything today? Was that helpful? Amen.